Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember, subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. This week's Fiber for Breakfast brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Wesco. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber Breakfast. We're now in our 31st episode of 2023. Before I kick off, I'd like to thank Wesco, the platinum sponsor of Fiber Breakfast. You know, this week I'll be back in Lake Tahoe at the Broadband Leaders Summit to meet with the state broadband directors and other key leaders that are working to get every American connected with broadband by 2030. And speaking of getting everyone connected, Fiber Connect 2023 in Orlando will be on August 20 to 23rd. So we're less than three weeks out. This will be the biggest and best fiber event in the world this year. So if you haven't registered, please do so today because we're definitely going to be sold out. And our next and final regional Fiber Connect workshop for this year will be in Minneapolis on October 24th. You're not going to want to miss that, so please register today. That brings us um, to this morning's Fiber for Breakfast session with um, Rick Talbot, who's going to be talking about the middle mile, more traffic than you were expecting. You know, last week on Fiber for Breakfast, we had the pleasure of hearing from John Gabriel from the Center for Employment Opportunities to discuss a fair chance hiring with conviction. You know, this is, was a very important and informative session that every hiring manager should watch. We need 205,000 fiber optic technicians if we're going to deploy fiber to every home and business in America by 2030. And there's an untapped opportunity with underutilized talent from corrections that are looking to re-enter the workforce. So this is a great opportunity to not only be able to help us get fiber deployed, but really um, provide a great career opportunities for those coming out of corrections. Today on Fire for Breakfast, our guest is Rick Talbot, the principal analyst from ACG Research, discuss middle mile networks, more traffic than you were expecting. Rick is the principal analyst of Intelligence Optical Networking, Broadband Network Transformation, and 5G RAN cross-hall practices at ACG Research. He combines expertise in network access, optical transport and switching technologies, and a deep understanding of the telecommunications industry competitive landscape, business and regulatory issues, and economic trends to provide a comprehensive view of the industry. He gained this broad experience over 40 years of technical marketing and sales engineering roles at network system vendors, as well as network architectural design roles at service providers. Rick holds an MBA from SMU and a Bachelor's of Engineering from Trinity University, and he's a registered professional engineer, the state of Texas, and a senior member of the IEEE. So welcome, Rick. And for our audience, please type in your questions go, and we'll get those uh, in the Q&A at the end. With that, I'll turn it over to Rick. Great. Thanks for the introduction. It's uh, uh, good to be with you all this morning and to talk about something that was uh, ended up being a little bit surprising to me. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, Go to the next slide, and uh, we'll be talking about the middle mile, uh, middle mile networks. And uh, I guess just context here is that uh, 
ACG Research has a new uh, research area going on overall in broadband network transformation. And uh, in part of that, I was studying uh, what do middle mile networks look like and uh, you know, what's driving what they look like. So let's, let's start off with uh, you know, just considering you know, what do we mean by middle mile. And I uh, figured we'd start off by, uh, well, what did the NTIA say? Okay, NTIA is the National Telecommunications and Information Administration. And they're the ones who uh, are uh, administering most of the uh, government programs uh, for uh, funding the, uh, the broadband. Uh, they have uh, what's called a, a notice of funding opportunity that uh, provides, let's say the ground rules for, uh, you know, for uh, you know, what's required uh, for this funding. And they, they define <laughs> a middle mile infrastructure and uh, it's, uh, it's not very definitive, uh, let's say from an engineer standpoint. Uh, all it really says, it seems to say is, is it's, uh, it doesn't connect directly to an end user. And then it includes, and then it shows a lot of different things, many of which we I think naturally wouldn't think of as middle mile, uh, all sorts of transport uh, uh, you know, facilities. So it's probably a good idea uh, to go from here to uh, looking at more of a practical side. I, I will say one thing in the statute, that is the law that authorizes uh, all this funding, is that it does say, it does give a purpose for the middle mile, and, it, and that's twofold. One is to reduce the cost of connecting unserved and underserved areas to the backbone of the internet. So that gives us a picture of connecting the access network to the internet. Uh, the other thing that it says that's very important is to promote broadband connection resiliency through the creation of alternative network connection paths. Okay, well that directly affects what kind of uh, protection we want to take a look at. Now, in, in the discussion today, and let's go ahead and go to the next slide, uh, we're not gonna take a look at the protection itself. Just the, the question of you know, what do these look like and you know, what is the capacity we're gonna end up talking about? That's, that's gonna be the most important part here. So if we <clears throat> excuse me, take a look at what the middle mile looks like, in the overall network, it is, uh, uh, really the connection between, as you can see here, access network and metro network. But I want to point out overall, we've got a concept of broadband network on the left-hand side. This is the top of the drawing. And on the right-hand side, the core network. And uh, you know, unsurprisingly, the metro network is gathering up all this traffic that's going to go on the core network and put on the core network. Uh, but notice that the broadband network has these two elements, the access network and the middle mile network the whole network has to work. So when we have requirements for the access network, those, those requirements really can't be met unless they are uh, also enabled by the middle mile network. Um, there is a better set of requirements for the access network than for the middle mile network itself. So in a second, when we take a look at requirements, it'll be kind of access network requirements. And we just have to realize that the middle mile network is going to have to support that also. <clears throat> uh, so once again, from our just a general standpoint, the concept of the middle mile network is that we have remote areas where there's an access network. And this is, 
just to go back, the, the government programs is to provide uh, capabilities in underserved areas and unserved areas. And actually, there is a particular emphasis on unserved areas. Well, that's going to be remote locations in a lot of cases. So uh, this is where middle mile network really has some meaning. That is, we have the metro network on the right-hand side. We have a metro central office. And then this middle mile network is connecting that to uh, these different remote offices. And so I've got a, a picture of a remote office. So if we go ahead to uh, uh, the next slide uh, and talk a little bit more about, uh, in this case, the requirements. Okay, so even though these are the requirements for access, because it's the you know the B program, it's uh, uh, defined in its notice of funding opportunity. It's got some capacity, well, has a capacity requirement, which I, you also would have to consider the scalability because you're going to put in a network that's going to last a while, uh, which is reliable broadband with speeds of no less than 100 megabits downstream uh, and 20 megabits upstream. One thing to consider right here is that in practicality, uh, particularly in networks where fiber is used, fiber to the home is used, most, most providers are doing symmetric. So uh, you really, for, for your network, you probably ought to consider that at least 100 megabits per second both ways. And you're probably familiar with the fact that uh, these networks will tend to offer services at higher speeds than 100 megabits per second. So, um, and we're, we're going to see the impact of that in a second, okay? The latency, 95% of latency measurements uh, have to be below 100 milliseconds round trip time. Hey, uh, that's a long time. That, that's a tenth of a second. So uh, even though it's a requirement, understand, that's uh, just for instance, 5G requirements are much stricter than that. And since you'll probably, <coughs> excuse me, uh, be providing... Uh, you know, in this infrastructure that you build for the middle mile, you'll probably bring, be bringing some uh, uh, 5G services along with that. That, that is the uh, radio access network X-Hall, which is a front-hall, back-hall, mid-hall. Uh, in reality, it'll be mid-hall and back-hall that'll go over this infrastructure. Uh, so that's got stricter requirements, like more in the, the area of, uh, you know, 20 mil, like 20 milliseconds uh, for a mid-haul uh, connection. So as we go to reliability, uh, just you know, realize that it's saying that uh, you, know, you don't want, you can't have outages exceed on average 48 hours over a 365-day period. So you got to make sure that this is reliable. Affordability, and now every time we build a network, it has to be affordable. But the uh, the, the requirements for the funding program, um, also emphasize that through saying <clears throat> you, you've got to be able to offer at least one low-cost broadband service connection. Uh, you have to participate in the affordable connectivity program, and you can't charge uh, data usage caps uh, to, to the subscribers. So these things together are saying that not only as, uh, you know, as, as an engineer are you uh, putting together a network that is cost effective, understand that also is an, 
uh, enforced by the uh, governmental requirements. <clears throat> and finally, uh, you ha it has to be open. You have to permit other broadband service providers to interconnect uh, with middle mile networks on a just, reasonable, and non-discriminatory basis. And uh, so let's let's look at the middle mile now from two two perspectives, just to understand there are two perspectives here. First of all, the current segmentation of the broadband access network from the middle mile network is a pretty straightforward affair. I mean, middle mile network is generally a transport network. So it reaches out and touches on one side, the uh, uh, PON access system, which is, it contains the OLT in it. The OLT is the optical line termination uh, and this is, I'm giving an example for a passive optical network system, a PON system. Uh, these, uh, this also pertains to, uh, you know, if it happens to be a fixed wireless system, it would pertain to that. If it were a, a fiber hybrid coax system, it's going to pertain to that too. There's some point at which uh, all that access comes together uh, for a for each access line, if you will. And then that'll be in a box that has multiple of these access lines. And that, that'll be some type of access system. Uh, the middle mile network is this physical connection between that network and the broadband network gateway out there somewhere. Because the broadband network gateway is going to do uh, the, for instance, the authorization for anyone to get onto the network and uh, the billing functions and things like that, that if you're offering services to subscribers, you're going to need that. So the middle mile network doesn't, doesn't provide those functions. It provides the transport between them. That's the current segmentation. But we've got a future segmentation that's going to introduce uh, IP, uh, Internet Protocol, into the PON access system. Uh, there's a number of reasons for that in terms of controlling, uh, coordinating between the broadband network gateway and the access itself. Those requirements also will tend to reflect on the middle mile network, but even more specific than that is that we have what's called coherent optical modules that are coming out. So that uh, the trans transponders for the WDM systems are not in a separate box. They're actually a module, a plug-in, into the broadband network gateway router and in the PON access system. Uh, those coherent optical modules are part of the middle mile network. So just to let you know that uh, in the future, as we go to this transformed uh, broadband network, that uh, the middle mile is going to take on uh, new new territory, basically, and you'll have more concerns just strictly the, uh, the physical network. Uh, so here's the surprise to me. Um, uh, starting out with, uh, you know, what is the, uh, you know, for broadband networks that are offering at least 100 megabits per second, okay, which generally is uh, actually uh, most uh, MSOs, you know, cable TV companies are offering at least in the downstream portion, 100 megabits or more. Um, and then all of the fiber networks are offering 100 megabits per more. So, uh, but uh, people who have those services are using on average, depending on whether you're looking at a 
uh, you know, Cisco annual internet report, which the last report they did was like in uh, 2020. But if you use their growth rate out from that, well, at that time, that was 141.8 megabits per second is what they say that we're going to have now. Uh, there's another company called Open Vault, and uh, their most recent report, even though they just introduced another report today, but <laughs> the one from the first quarter is they're saying the average is 191.6 megabits per second as, uh, as an offered, average offered capacity. Uh, the Cisco uh, reports an annual growth rate for North America of 20% per year. So uh, if we use that and look into up to 2028, and rather than saying the offered uh, demand, if we look at the actual used demand, it's 255 megabits per second per subscriber. Now, if you think about the, uh, the, the services that you might have bought, if you've got a, a you know, brown buying service, that might not be too surprising. But the concept here is that we're going to go into new offices that didn't have these types of services, and we're going to provide whole scale, basically to everyone in those offices, those capabilities, which means, well, how many lines, you know, how many, how many of these 255 megabit per second uh, flows are we talking about? And the answer is, if, if you look at all the Bell offices in the last year that they had to report to the FCC, what their line counts were, the average was 16,000 lines per central office. Now, in that time since 2000, those that number of lines that they serve on average has gone down. And so we're going to say, we don't have an authoritative figure on that right now, but uh, we're saying, well, if it decreased 25%, then in uh, certainly by 2028, <clears throat> we're looking at probably like 12,000 lines in a, suburban middle mile network, okay? Something that's not a remote office, office in the, uh, <laughs> in the rural area. If it's in the rural area, we have the uh, USF report that uh, uh, comes from an organization called USAT. And uh, if you take an average of those, which are all sorts of very small offices, that uh, is 660 lines. So the amount of traffic you're aggregating depends on it, whether it's a, like a suburban office where you got a lot of lines or uh, remote offices or rural offices, less lines. A couple of other factors here. Uh, not all subscribers will use this, uh, even after you've had it in for several years, because we're going to look out at 2028 and say, I'm going to build for aiming for that uh, year. And uh, that's 86% of people, and this is what we see these days, not everyone uses broadband service. Roughly 86% of people who have available to them broadband services will use a broadband service. But beyond that, not every location, and particularly in the su suburbs, are you going to be the only provider of broadband there. You're probably going to be in a competitive market. So I'm using as a figure here, if you're particularly like, if you're putting in fiber, and let's say that you have a you know, a strong offering in that, uh, you're probably getting, let's say, 60% of the market share. So let's go to the next side, slide and see what happens. When you, when you put those figures together, 
you end up with the spreadsheet at the bottom, which is, uh, so you can see on the left-hand side of the uh, little spreadsheet there, okay, competitive market, uh, 12,000 lines, long fiber connector, that's in markets that uh, you're the only one, okay? So if you're in a suburban market, but there's not another uh, broadband providers providing at least 100 megabits per second in the downstream, uh, yeah, that's that's that case. And then finally, rural telecoms at the bottom, you can see 660 lines. Well, so you've got the uh, uh, take rate that we mentioned on the last page, 86% of people who take broadband at all. You've got 60% who are, are going to take your service in a competitive market, but if it's uh, if you're the only provider, then it's 100%. And then that means, oh, and then finally, the user demand, and that's the user demand projected for 2028. What that does is give you an average traffic in gigabits per second gathered at that remote central office, whether it's a suburban office or a, uh, a rural market. That's that's gigabits per second. Let's think about that. That's actually, for instance, the, the top one in competitive markets, 1.57 terabits per second, not gigabits, terabits per second. And then loan, of course, is 2.6. Now, those were averages. If you take a look at over each day, the uh, uh, the traffic will go above the average and below the average. And if you look at this, I've looked at it from multiple sources. And in general, <clears throat> the busy hour excess traffic is going to be 55% more than what the average was. And so you would uh, uh, add 55% to that figure to give you the traffic, uh, uh, you know, because you've got a bill to the busy hour. And uh, I show there a number of 400G wavelengths. And the significance of this is that systems that we have, DWDM systems uh, right now, uh, you know, kind of the, the prop, uh, most popular connection is uh, 400 gigabits per second in evidence and transport networks. but you take a look at this, you're using from each central office that you're gathering from, it's either seven or 11 gigabits per second in a, in a suburb. And if it's rural, it's, it's one of those wavelengths. So the network that you physically would put together, an example of one of an optical aggregation network, and the, that the aggregation network is doing the transport role for the middle mile, is you see that you have the uh, OLTs that are terminating upon those OLTs are putting out individual uh, uh, wavelengths that has 400 gigabits per second. Those are aggregated onto the fiber ring and in the uh, uh, at the metro office on the right hand side, they go into a broadband network gateway which splits out the traffic. Some of it's going to other metro offices, some to the internet, some to local services, and some to uh, uh, cloud services there. So let's go ahead to uh, uh, to the last slide because this is really the uh, you know the the point to be made. Okay, starting a typical a typical middle mile network connects the remote central office to the nearest metro office. Okay, uh, the current version of the middle mile network is based on a physical connection. 
but in the future, that's going to change. The transformed middle mile network in the future is going to ex extend uh, the pond access system. It's going to actually extend into the pond access system. That is, it needs to take up those uh, coherent modules in the pond access system and also include the those modules in the VNG themselves at the other end. And finally, the introduction of these high-capacity high services to all subscribers in the central office are going to cause the data aggregated to, to mushroom into a, a level of, of terabits per second of traffic that has to be aggregated over the middle mile network. And that's, uh, that's what we're talking about. So, Rick, I mean, this is kind of interesting in that, I mean, today, you know, 100 meg, you know, the FCC's looking to change the definition of broadband from 25.3 to 100 by 20, which is too little, too late. But, I mean, today, I have a gigabit. Everybody's going to 10 gig. Um, Chattanooga has launched 25 gig. And so, you know, we're, Nokia's got 50 gig. Um, we're going to, matter of fact, they demoed 100 gig pond systems. So we're quickly in the next few years going to be in the, you know, not only tens, but 50 or 100 gig pond. My, I guess, I had always assumed for the most part that middle mile takes care of itself. I mean, you got these Sienna systems that can do terabytes and so forth, right? And so we can do WDM and yeah, and be able to get a lot of bandwidth out of these um, transport systems. Uh, and, you know, the challenge on the last mile is that when you're going to a low density area that's um, expensive to reach, you know, whether it's just um, low population or, you know, difficult topology, um, that's where the costs really run up. But once you start aggregating all these, you know, um, end users into the middle mile, doesn't that the math just work out where it's real easy for operators to keep upgrading um, their transport equipment? Well, first of all, they have to, before they put in the systems that will accommodate that, that scale of capacity of, of demand, they have to know what that scale is. And yeah. uh, backhaul services up to now have been much, much, much smaller. For instance, People, you know, I'm reading people talking about uh, you know, 100 gig, uh, uh, like maybe a coherent 100 gig coming out and going to an office and, and, and people thinking, you know, one or two of those, that's, you know, that's more than enough. Well, today that's more than enough. But that's where we have the transformation of the broadband network is it's going to look fundamentally different when you have offered this to everyone out of a central office. So what about CDNs? And I mean, as we're starting to move everything closer, right, to be able to, latency is going to be the long pole in the tent. And to really, you know, lower latency, we need to move content closer. And so we start to have our internet exchange points and have CDNs. Uh, so is that uh, a factor? Uh, Yes, but it's not a factor that is a, an explicit requirement from the government. Uh, if we could go back a couple of slides, because uh, we've got a slide that shows, it, it's the one that shows the fiber rings. Okay, 
So uh, essentially what you're saying is uh, you're, you are describing that local server on the right-hand side. That is, whereas this content used to be uh, centralized either in the middle, in the heart of the city, or maybe even for a region, uh, in order to uh, bring the latency down for individual services that are very uh, uh, sensitive to latency, then that's the way you address that. You put the local server there. And you need to see on a uh, service basis what that required required latency is. That's the reason I brought up uh, uh, 5G, because that's a, a good example, I think, that everyone looks at uh, for, um, you know, be in the aggregation network. And they don't, they don't think of it as middle mile. They, you know, when you're just talking about 5G, you're talking about your connection, uh, your, your front hall connection that goes to the, uh, you know, the end to the uh, DU, the distributed unit. Uh, you're talking about mid hall between the distributed unit and the uh, central unit, the CU, uh, and then back hall between the CU and the core of the network. Well, in general, and I don't want to go too much into this, but in general, I think generally those CUs are going to be located in the closest uh, metro central office to these remote offices. So uh, where that sets local servers, uh, one of the functions in those local servers is uh, liable to be uh, the, you know, the CU function. Uh, and also, uh, then they have a choice of whether they want the core there or to put the core farther out. So even the applications, as we start getting to more video immersive and, you know, committed bandwidth, it's, you know, we don't have the statistical um, nature that we had back, you know, just doing email and voice services and things like that, right? It, in fact, that's a, that's a fantastic point. Um, at first, you think you pull all these services into the the uh, uh, remote office, and you think, okay, well, especially if we put a router there, we'll you know do statistical multiplexing and don't have to you know put out as much stuff. Well, in passive optical networking, you have to take everything to the broadband network gateway because that's the only way that you can control your subscribers, as it were, give them authorization to get on the line and, and, and such things as that. So 100% of that traffic is going to the, the closest metro office, to, to wherever the BNG is. Now, you've got architectures that can put the BNG out at the remote office, and that's a different topic. In effect, that would eliminate the almost eliminate the concept of the middle mile from a passive optical networking standpoint. At that point, the middle mile is kind of once again just the physical transport. Now you've got to transport everything back to a metro. Well, not everything. That, that's that's the point. Is once you get to the BNG, the BNG can send different traffic different directions, and you don't have to send 100% of this aggregation to the to the metro office. So we're probably seeing some architectural changes with uh, more distributed BNG functionality versus yes. um, yes. up the middle mile. Yeah. Rick, and, and was, really and appreciate got, the time and uh, yeah, at, at all your research. Yeah, and, and industry insights. Um, so thanks, 
Thanks everybody for joining us today. I look forward to getting back together next Wednesday. We're going to be speaking with Ron Westfall, the Senior Analyst and Research Director at Futurum Group. He's going to discuss why security is the key to enduring fiber success. You're not going to want to miss that. All right. Well, thanks again, uh, Rick. And we'll see you guys. We'll see you, Rick, at uh, Fiber Connect in a few weeks.